Hello, and welcome to episode 35 of the MBA podcast. On today's show, the med experts discuss AI and the pressures healthcare and med tech are using it to resolve. How can you use AI to improve your own work? Listen in and hit subscribe below. Welcome back, everybody, to the latest episode of the MedTech Business Academy. I'm Scott Alexander, your host for the day, um, joined by several industry experts, Barbara Strain, Mike Sperduti, and Skender Derti. And uh, every once in a while, we like to sit down and talk about the trends that we've been seeing over the past uh, quarter or so. And um, so we decided that's what this episode is going to be about. We're going to talk about some of the trends we're seeing, highlight some of the areas of opportunity for the listeners, and uh, just have a good discussion about what the, the world is looking like right now. So um, we were having some really cool conversations before we hit start. So I hope we can bring that back. Um, and maybe Mike, why don't we start with you? What, what's a trend that you're seeing that you think is worth talking about? So I think it's the trend that everybody's talking about right now, and that's artificial intelligence and chat GPT. I think that if you are not familiar with what I just said, then you need to right now start going online, going to YouTube and putting OpenAI and ChatGPT into your browser and start learning because it is very apparent that businesses that are adopting this technology today are starting to move exponentially ahead of organizations that are not using this technology. And so just to let everybody know what this technology is, it's all of human knowledge as of, if you get the most updated version of September uh, 21st, uh, I'm sorry, September 2021 is the most updated version mm -hmm. for chat GPT. So all of human knowledge is being fed into this machine. And now unlike a browser, you can communicate it like the smartest assistant that you ever had, like Jarvis is to Iron Man, mm -hmm. and it will give you exactly what you're looking for. All right. So let me just give you an example, a real life example of my world. So I'm currently right now in, in the patent application process and patent review process for my nutraceutical ingredient. All right. Mm -hmm. I had to appear in front of the patent examiner for the United States and I had to pre prepare for my meeting. And one of the things I had to do was justify my invention versus the prior artwork and prior inventions that are out there, especially with a natural ingredient like mine that's been studied for you know, many, many years. And so I hire the best attorneys and I do have the best attorneys at Venable and anybody knows that organization knows they're the best. But I took my patent and I took the, the patent that I needed to, uh, that I'm uh, competing against, so to speak, or trying to differentiate myself against. And ChatGPT gave me the talking points for me to go in and wow the U.S. patent examiner. Uh -huh. And my attorneys came off after the call going, you were awesome. Mm -hmm. So that machine gives you, it also has passed the medical board exams. Uh -huh. It's passed the bar exam. Uh -huh. um, from a sales and marketing perspective, it is your new copywriter uh, friend and companion. So, Again, my big message here is artificial intelligence now, chat GPT, go. Yeah. I, I'll jump in because I've spent a lot of time. I run a marketing firm, right? Like we spend 
a lot of time thinking about chat GPT and mid journey and other things, which is more on the visual side. And yeah, I, I agree. I mean, this is, this is truly a game changer and um, it's the level of accessibility is unlike anything we've seen before, right? The ability to get in and just type in, Hey, you're a, this, you know, you're a, the world's greatest business consultant. I want you to look at this business plan and tell me where the potential risk you know, or down, downfalls are. Feed it your business plan. All of a sudden, it'll start to tell you, here's one, here's two, here's three, here's four. And then you can actually have a conversation, right? So you're like, well, what about this? Or what about that? And it can, like you're having a discussion, um, it's, it is going to be a game changer. The, the thing that I would say, um, and maybe I'm like, I'm fighting on the, the side of humanity here, but one of the things that I think is going to be important as we get into it is it's going to be dependent. The success you get out of chat GPT and the copywriting and the you know, generative stuff, I think to a great degree is going to be based on the value of the prompts. So you, you knowing like, these are the questions I want to ask. And then the value of the inputs. Um, so we use chat GPT very, very sparingly in the work that we do for our clients, but where we use it is when we're taking content from video format to written format or vice, you know, vice versa. And what we find is you get a good 80%, but then, you know, you want to build some things onto it. So that it actually feels like a human being. Um, but to your point, Mike, like I was saying, right before we started recording, we were using chat GPT to tie in a mid journey to generate imagery. Uh, that would take weeks or days to to create. Now we're doing it in like five to 10 minutes and it's game changing. So yeah. So when we built a very innovative state-of-the-art radiology reading area that looked like you went to an IMAX movie uh, sans the popcorn. And over 10 years ago, we were doing AI to read uh different CTs, MRIs, all those sorts of things, because it could learn and pick up key things that the trained radiologist might have missed because it was so minute or whatever. Mm -hmm. And so it's been around for a while, but you can more powerfully do all that today because all of the infrastructure has you know, really taken off and improved. And so it's being used in a variety of other ways in provider organizations if they've invested in that and, and really believe in how they're going to really do that. Well, necessity is the mother of invention, right? So if the necessity du jour today is how do we manage costs, how do we manage labor, it's only going to accelerate the proliferation of the need for these automated systems. I mean, we, we just uh, we talked about this earlier in pre-recording, but the dynamics of the hospital balance sheet and financial structure are such that it is a very difficult op business to operate in today's world. And mm -hmm. there needs to be a reinvention, right? And necessity is the mother of reinvention. There's going to have to be a reinvention in that hospital structure. Otherwise, our healthcare system as we know it will be obsolete. Well, and the good news there, Skender, is that this technology is coming at the right time for, for right. healthcare, right? I mean, we all know something needs to be done. We all know costs are way too high. And we also know there's a shortage of clinical labor. 
Mm-hmm. Right? So what a great time for us to be able to have this tool now that is going to help scale us, right? So people are really scared of, is this going to take my job? Mm-hmm. And in certain jobs, absolutely, it will be eliminated. Yeah. But most jobs, it's going to be an enhancement where now it's a productivity tool where one person can do the work of, say, literally 15 people or 20 people with this tool. Mm-hmm. So the biggest line item for a hospital or medical system is going to be labor. Mm-hmm. So the good news is, is I think the biggest impact that this technology will do will be a reduction in labor. And clearly, you know, Barbara, you hit it on the head with the reads years ago were being done with artificial intelligence. Now, you know, there's projections that within the next three years, if you don't have an artificial intelligence sign off on a diagnostic, you know, there's going to be uh, insurance implications for it. Yeah. Well, this also helps people work, as we always been saying, to the top of their license. They're not doing these mundane things and having to go through a variety of documentation and how you do things, but it's all going to help them so that they're actually spending more time, quality time with patients or developing new treatments and that sort of thing so that we're going to be able to really crank up better health care without a high cost. And the other thing also is patient engagement. Mm -hmm. One of the things we know, right, is that the more involvement that the patient has with the doctor or the nurse and the more education and the more personalization, Mm -hmm. the more effective the care and the treatment and the outcomes. And so another cool thing that you're seeing with artificial intelligence and what's going on, and this started with the deep fakes, right? So I'm sure you've all seen the Tom Cruise and the this or that where it looks like that person, but it's not. Yeah. Well, that technology can be used for good. And I'm actually working with a company right now where they're able to scale doctors' conversations with particular patients where they can use artificial intelligence to change the name of the person of the patient that they're talking to. So let's say they need to you know, coach somebody who has a particular disease state, they say the same things over and over again. So now what they can do is record that message one time and mm-hmm. then have AI just substitute the variables in there, which are scripted out. So now that one time that the doctor had a conversation that was very meaningful, was on point, he was effective or she was effective, now can be scaled to every one of those patients. So turning it to our med tech audience, what they can be thinking about is they're doing um, AI to try to tackle all these chronic diseases way ahead of time before they become a chronic disease. So you're still being able to treat. So if the med tech audience finds out and gets that data way ahead of time, then they could be developing or slotting in their products to partner with providers. So no matter where care needs to be given, it doesn't have to be the big white building or this other building or whatever, but they can then partner, more partnerships I'm hearing in provider world when they can now partner with folks who can actually then do effective treatments 
way ahead of time before it even gets to a chronic stage, even by over-the-counter messaging, all those sorts of things. So you've got to reimagine from a provider in a tech world, and one needs to help the other one pull them along. What would that look like in sort of in practice? If we think about an example of those kinds of partnerships or how we're leveraging AI, um, what does that look like in practice? I mean, to me, I've been reading a lot about it lately, and I spend a lot of time with headphones on while I'm doing other work, listening to podcasts and a variety of things. But this was an actual example that they talked about Mm -hmm. is that this group of physicians were going through chronic diabetes, for example, because that's one of the big ones. Mm -hmm. And it goes all the way back through, you know, kidney disease and a variety of other things. So they look for those prompts in records that they can put in effectively so that they know if I'm seeing a value like this, an age group like that, Uh, Mm -hmm. social determinant health, all those things, then I'm able to say, well, in this geography of our patients, we need to pair them up with one or two companies. It could be pharmacies, it could be retail, it could be a variety of different techs, whether it's uh, monitoring at home or whatever, in order to get after these things and do that partnership. So you're getting your drugs, you're getting your wearables and things, but the med tech organizations partnering all together with those interfaces of pharmacies and grocery stores and a variety of other things. So you can make plans like that. And that's what people are doing out there today. Yeah. I mean, I think the the thing that I heard you mention, Barbara, and I, I think we can all agree on is the face of healthcare is changing dramatically and and very, very rapidly at a much faster pace than I think any of us have uh, have ever experienced before. And no one really knows what the what the actual face of healthcare is going to look like in three years, five years, ten years. Um, but to be successful and set yourself up for um, a good position in that, you have to figure out who who's your tribe, who's your coalition of the of the willing, who else kind of is addressing the same disease states or the same pain points or whatever the case might be. And how do you create a more holistic solution? One that may incorporate AI, one that may incorporate um, corporate partnerships with other organizations, but but a more holistic solution as opposed to what I think we've really seen a lot, particularly in the med device space, which is like, I've got my widget. It's one little piece in in a 500 step process of taking care of somebody with liver cancer. So I just worry about my one little step. I think those days are are behind us or, or leaving us very rapidly. Yeah, Scott, that's really astute because to that point, look at med devices. And I'm actually working with a company now that's trying to solve for this. And that is you have all this data in the device. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Like a ventilator patient. How many times is the patient breathing? What's there? This what's in it? The device has medical data in it. And so now there's a big push. If you're in the medical device industry, it's how do I take data from my machine and make it valuable? And how do I integrate that into the overall mix? So that way it's useful. And so to mm-hmm. your point, I can't just think of me anymore and what I do it's ecologically, how do I impact the entire system? Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
I mean, imagine if you would, right, being able to take the data being generated from a ventilator, other patient monitoring pieces, aggregating up with the diagnostic, right, or the um, sort of the, the diagnosis of the patient, and be able to do more predictive um, diagnoses of like, hey, very likely, here's where Sally, the patient's going to be. Um, I think those things are very, very doable. And are and true a, pra a practical example of that is I'm working with another company that's in the patient monitoring business. And so think about this now, right? You get all this input from the patient remotely. So the patient weighs themselves, blood pressure. You can put a diabetic uh, monitor on there. You mm -hmm. can do a whole bunch of things. And then all that feeds into an AI. Yep. And based on the AI and what it knows about the patient condition, let's say for congestive heart failure, mm -hmm. you normally had to wait for the patient to start filling up with fluid a severe amount before... Yep it triggers the event. With this technology, based on what they're measuring, they can see it before it's happening. The body's giving the signs off that it's going to have a problem. The yep. AI knows it. It alerts the patient to have the medical visit right away. I, I think well, I know the company that, you're talking I about. Did a, Thing okay. Sorry, go ahead, Barbara. Yep. Not only that, I get excited about this. Uh, can you tell? Um, yeah. I did a whole project where I actually did a whole table of companies like that and what their sort of um, big value prop was and things. And one of them, or more than one of them, actually then reacts to those results. And a package shows up on the doorstep of the patient with a medication or more instructions or another little wearable device or something. They didn't even have to go see someone or even have a televisit, they just got a note and says, based on what you've sent me, uh, a package will show up. And that's where, you know, the drones come in or whatever. So you can see it happening already. Yeah. I, I think another angle, I guess, Skinner, you've been awfully quiet. Are you, you're, uh, this thoughts? isn't actually me. This is AI. I'm taking everything. Okay, I thought so. <laughs> I thought so. <laughs> uh, I'll jump in. I, I wanted to make sure you had an opportunity to, to, to say something, but before I let you talk, I'm going to start talking. Um, <laughs> How nice of you. I know, right? Yeah, that's what but I do. We, love you, it's good we, love we all, we all know that it's my mom who is again, we <laughs> know how much she loves. She fast forwards to your parts, Mike, but um, <laughs> I think the other thing to think about is right. There's product pieces where if I'm a head of sales at a medical device company, I'm listening like, Oh my gosh, I'm in like, what, what am I going to do? Here's another application for AI and, and uh, we'll say more broadly, deep learning. We have a client of ours um, that um, we really recently knew, we're working with them, great company. Um, we've been able to extract data. They, long story short, they serve all uh, of healthcare and um, had some specific areas where they felt like they were going to see growth. We're able to get in and use some analytics on um, their engagement data um, at a, using some deep learning and that sort of thing. And where they were going was different than where actually the opportunities lie. And so we were able to sort of course correct what we were doing and be able to generate some substantial revenue in a very short period of time by just kind of pivoting a bit. Um, and I think that's, a, that's if you're a commercial leader, that's something you can do today, right? And again, it doesn't have to be chat GPT or mid journey or, Bard or any other big tools, it can be some of the smaller analytics that even like a, um, a, a, a something like Excel, some of the Excel add-ons that are that are using neural networks 
can help you identify data to give you better answers on how you can sell more stuff today. So well, I think it, it comes down to reframing some of like who you are and what you are and how you fit in, right? And in 1860, the horseshoe maker was king. If you inherited your father's horseshoe business in 1910 and you still stayed to be the horseshoe maker, you were in trouble. Mm-hmm. Or you could say, we have an incredible ability to bend and mollify and 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 move metal. There's probably a need for that in this new economy. Mm-hmm. And let's see how we can apply ourselves to that. And that's why, you know, Mike, you brought up the great consternation of today where everybody's like, oh, chat GPT is going to take my job. It is going to take your job if you sit in quicksand. If you only look at things through the paradigm of today, you will be obsoleted tomorrow. Or you can look and reframe yourself and say, I have a way to take my technology and adapt it to what is happening tomorrow. Yeah. And what's interesting about that is where the the idea enhancer is the technology, right? The zero to one, though, is the juice of where you can really yes. benefit so it's, so the you have to be the creative force behind whatever mm-hmm. it is that you're doing. And I don't care what that is. If you're the expert right now in your world and you've paid your dues and you're a master at your profession, this is just going to magnify you to a level that's crazy because to Scott's point before, when you communicate with this, the more you put into it, mm-hmm. the better it's going to be. So for instance, I can tell it, hey, I'm a medical device company, I'm a startup, I'm focusing in on this industry, here's my approach, write me a business plan. Mm -hmm. It will. Yeah. But it's going to be a bullshit plan because you only gave it very little information. But if you gave it your hard work, your team's work, you guys all brainstormed it and you put all that great stuff in there and now say, make this better, that's where this thing goes bonkers. So it's it's going to replace... The doers, but not the thinkers. The real thinkers are, are going to go off and make a tremendous amount of money in this economy. Tremendous amount of money. Like yes. we we haven't seen the world's first trillionaire yet. We will yeah. when, when they oh, figure yeah. out how to leverage these kinds of applications. Well, and the interesting thing is, so again, the guy who's really uh, heading this whole movement is a guy mm-hmm. by the name of Peter Diamandis and Ray Kurzweil and uh, you know that team at, at Singularity. Mm-hmm. And he says, we're going to see the first billion dollar company with three employees yeah. with the next, you know, within the next two years. Yeah. Wow. Yep. Yeah. Easy. If you're looking for ways to, um, to leverage AI, like what exists today to help, particularly on the sales and marketing side, um, here's what we do. Like, and um, cause I'm a fan of, you know, practical stuff. Uh, I think at Gyrus Marketing, quick plug for us, like we do B2B marketing in for medical device and other companies. We have a very particular view of how we think a commercial model should be set up for basically anybody who's listening. Um, what I do is I, I set up um, videos like, you know, Zoom video or something like that and just record topics, right? Like, hey, here's what we should be thinking about when we think about um, the relationship between sales and marketing in a, a growing med tech company or this or that other thing. And I just talk, right? It's just me sort of giving three to five minutes of like, okay, this is that topic. You can take that and you can put it, um, you take that uh, that video and there are AI-based transcribers that are really good. And I can um, remember the name of one of them, the one that we use here in a second. But 
it'll literally transcribe it. You can take that, take it over to chat GPT, give it that as a prompt to say, hey, I'm writing a blog for leaders of X, Y, and Z. Here's who I am. This is what I'm about. And I want you to write a blog off of this transcript. So it's content that Scott Alexander created, right? That's going to be relevant to people who are going to listen, but it's going to take that, that transcript and write a blog about it. And it'll come out with 600 words of, you know, the alignment between sales and marketing and a medical device company. And, and then I could just simply take it from there and then just add a little bit of flavor here and there and that sort of thing. And in 20, 30 minutes, I've created content that can then be used in a variety of channels and that sort of thing. And the reality is if any of us have our subject matter experts in our own respective fields, which we all are, getting that content, anybody knows I should be doing content for my, to, to help grow my business, but nobody has time to do it. You can do that in 30 minutes. I'm going to do it after this call. And as a matter of fact, you can have weeks of content in a matter of a couple of hours. So anyway, those are the kinds of things that you can do today. You couldn't do a year ago. Yeah. And Scott, along those lines, you could take that one idea about, Hey, write this blog. Then mm-hmm. after it's done with that, say, I want to make this into Mm-hmm. 10 different posts and separate them by 10 different for LinkedIn, Instagram, yep. uh, Facebook, and it'll actually customize the content for that format, making sure it'll be put into that field. Mm-hmm. It's crazy, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Crazy. So uh, go back to the data and talking about shaking stuff up. I just read this. I don't know if you guys uh, heard this, but does, did anybody do Ancestry DNA? Have you guys ever done that before? Yes. Okay, I did it. Did you do Ancestry, Skender? I think it did. Yes, Ancestry. Because I did the same one. So unbeknownst to me, and I don't know if you know this, but when you did your swab and you sent your DNA over to them, they own your DNA. That's part of the hidden stuff that nobody Mm. talks about. So now they have you and your genetic sequencing. And what's really interesting is this week, I don't know the name of the firm, but a private equity firm bought Ancestry.com. Mm. Now, why do you think that might be? Is Was because it Skynet? all that data, yeah. it's for mm-hmm. the data that they bought it. So Ancestry, again, you talk about what business you're really in. Everybody thought Ancestry was this great, wonderful, their, their business is you know providing your Ancestry data. Their business was getting your g- genomic code. Yep. You know, it's interesting. I was walking down the street the other day and I saw a guy that looked incredibly handsome and I looked and it was my clone. Doppelhanger. <laughs> <laughs> uh, or were you his? I was like, I don't, whoa. Hmm. Right. The Which question dimension is, were you in? Whoa. Yeah. Who, who's, whose organs are going to get harvested is the real question. Whoa. Right? <laughs> yeah. He doesn't want right. mine. I know he yeah. doesn't want mine. Yeah. Yes. I, I think, I think at the end of the day and I'm not a, I have not done 23andMe or uh, Ancestry or anything like that and, and will not for this, for this reason, right? I think that is one of the things, not to be a conspiracy theorist, but I think I'm telling the truth here, right? Be careful of your data because that is, once it's out, it never, you can't put it back in the bottle. Yeah. Um, but, but I do think that it brings up an interesting uh, concept around um, back to the topic at hand. How do we leverage those kinds of data into diagnoses that can then allow for earlier treatment. If I'm an insurance company, that's something I'm going to be thinking about, right? And that's probably where that data from Ancestry is going to go is to Aetna, and they're going to start to deny Skender, uh, you know, care because I don't know, whatever, 
It's uh, a lost cause, right? It's a lost cause. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So. Actuarially, the fact that I'm alive right now is a modern marvel. Uh, it is. It is. It is. Yeah. <laughs> um, what, what, I know we've been talking about uh, about AI for quite a bit. Really interesting thing. Any other quick snippets? And we got just a couple minutes left. Um, what other quick trends can we sort of lightning round through? I mean, we can do a whole another podcast on bending the cost curve. I think mm -hmm. Mike kind of brought it up, but there's different perspectives and there's a provider perspective is their curve is just exponential, sort of like the diagonal on my little square for people who can see it. And they're just trying to figure out how to make that different. And we've been talking about a lot of different things that they can, you know, either help themselves or partner with or somebody like that. But um, we can talk about that at some point. But I think that um, that value-based care and how we kind of get there, a lot of different topics out there. But I think uh, providers need to sort of sit up and, and kind of take uh, a stock in, in what they're really doing. Why don't we do this? Because I know we've been talking for yep. the better part of 30 minutes. Why don't we just maybe kind of quick thoughts on that? Yep. And then we have parting thoughts from the group. We can maybe do both at the same time and then have a future conversation about this cost curve thing. Because I think it warrants a full discussion in and of itself. Yep. I guess, I mean, I, I think Skinner, cost, what's your reaction to that? I think the cost curve is is, is going to be bent a lot on what we just talked about, right? That necessity, mother of invention idea where... These hospital systems, these providers are going to start to see how can we have technology replace in a more predictive and a more consistent manner some of the challenges that we're having with em employment and, and start to bring down that cost curve. I mean, we're also seeing it from the dynamics of the Walgreens and CVSs of the world making these massive, massive investments to buy out bigger provider firms and totally streamline some of that. And a lot of that's going to be based on on data, right? They're going to start thinking about how they went from a doctor to a PA to an NP seeing, and that's a big bend in the cost curve, seeing patients first. Now, is it going to be NP overseeing 10 different offices while everything else is an AI generated uh, con connection first? Um, mm -hmm. You know, so I, I think that's where the cost curve is going to be bent. Mike, what do you see? Uh, you know, the, the same thing. I mean, labor is the biggest line item on a PL. It's the big expense. Clinical labor is a problem right now. Uh, you know, there's a lot of people that can't staff jobs. Uh, we know that the AI and computers and robotics is exploding right now. We know that the Da Vinci robot has been doing prostate cancer better than uh, you know, surgeries than doctors have been for a long time. Uh, we know that diagnostics are better done by these machines. So you're going to see a massive reduction in clinical labor, which is going to be great for uh, the P&Ls of the hospitals and make them more competitive. And uh, I think uh, robotics also in terms of patient interaction, the way that they're making these robots now are very visually friendly and uh, you know, they're going to be able to replace a lot of what we do. And in healthcare, that's a good thing with the shortages right now. Barbara, any uh, any thoughts on that? So I want to, since I started that conversation, I want to do a little wrap up on Halfway. the conversation we've had today and the sort of a couple of points. 
speaking of points, is how medtech and providers can do all this AI, chat, GPT, put it to good use, is find out what the provider's pain points are with their either disease states or their quality metrics, whatever, and then think about how your product or product you don't even know you have today can mm -hmm. match up and you can partner with how you can get after how to cut those costs and do better care. So little homework for everybody is read up on some of this stuff over the next you know few days or so and think about how you can do a bunch of things differently. Yeah. And um, here's the best part to that. If you don't know, Ask ChatGPT. <laughs> there you go. Yep. Or ask Mike Spurduti to go ask ChatGPT. Right? There you go. Yeah. I, just my my uh, my thought on the cost curve and and wrapping up. Uh, the reality is bending the cost curve looks like a couple of things. Number one, it's reducing clinical labor inside your traditional health systems. Right. If you think about thousand bed hospital and downtown fill in the blank metro. Right, figuring out how how they can become profitable again is is a key component for them. The other thing is, insurance companies and payers are trying to look at how they bend their cost curve down, and what that looks like is very likely moving away from the thousand bed hospital in downtown Detroit and instead moving things out to ASCs, to outpatient clinics, things like that. And so, moving into you know the the lower acuity settings is is bending the cost curve. And then the final piece is, I think, and you know, we've been seeing this for years. I think the reality is, to a great degree, um, innovation. We've started to see innovation around uh, managing cost, uh, where it's clinically acceptable and financially beneficial, and organizations being more comfortable with that. That's only going to amplify, right? And so this idea of, hey. This pen that I have used to write in black ink, but now it also writes in blue ink. Shouldn't you pay me 20% more? I think that business model is flawed and frankly, unlikely going to last for a long period of time. Yeah. So instead, you it, it really becomes incumbent to figure out how do you actually show removing actual cost out of the system and not just dragging it to your side of the field as opposed to somebody else's. That's going to be a key value driver for certain organizations over the next little bit. Well, I wanted to thank everybody. Barbara, you look, you had a comment. I was going to close up. No, I was just saying Finally. we got to drag it out, period. Waste, gone. It's got to get gone, Oof. right? Um, so <laughs> with that, I wanted to thank everyone uh, for listening. This has been a great conversation. We talked about AI, talked a little bit about bending the cost curve. Uh, listen in for future episodes um, about that. And um, thanks for joining us. Hopefully you learned a lesson at the uh, MedTech Business Academy. Thank you.